to start today by just, just a really quick recap from last week um, that will flow into what I want to share today. But, you know, in Hebrews 10, which we looked at last week, verses 19 to 25, it talks about what a beautiful access we have through Christ because of his blood and, and, and his body sacrificed for us that we are able to confidently draw near to God. It's such an amazing truth that we kind of sit back in, in our you know, natural, physical existence. It's very easy to you know, not take advantage of this beautiful reality that we, we have communion with God himself. We have the ability to enter in um, to the presence of the Father. And um, yeah, so just if you want to throw that first screen up there, Aaron, we're just this passage, it just highlights three things that, that we are able to do and encouraged to do because of what Jesus has already done. You know, in response to him, we are encouraged to draw near to God with a sincere heart, with that full assurance that faith brings. We don't sort of come near with that sort of fear and trembling of, you know, God might strike me down, but because of Jesus and everything that he has done, we come with full assurance. The second thing is that we're encouraged to hold unswervingly, you know, to be fully committed and not distracted and not waylaid by other things, but unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to his promises. And you know, God meets us in the here and now. You know, but Paul talks about it in, in beautiful terms where, yes, we, we actually pray for healing, but we do so as the Spirit leads. Because this body will pass away. And it could happen, as, as happened to someone we know dearly, you know, halfway through last year. In, in um, all outward appearances, a relatively fit and healthy 70-year-old pulled up at a set of traffic lights with the engine running and everything and was just gone to be with Jesus. You know, that could be our story. It was his. Or it might be that the body just breaks down over time, whatever it might be. But the hope that we hold on to is resurrection. Beyond healing is a new body. You know? The third thing that we are encouraged is let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So there are these outworkings where we are called to draw near to God, to hold on to hope, and to encourage each other in the journey. And as, as the passage finishes, all the more as you see the day approaching. And that phrase, all the more, for me, is an expansive thought. It's not just to um, you know, do a set of three things all the more, because those three things are actually expansive they actually cover the whole gamut of life that we are to all the more lean into the faith that we have and the hope that we have, that we are to all the more 
spur one another on, find ways, dream up ways of being an encourager in this life. You know, encourage each other in our faith journey. So we have these three aspects. But there are three words that stand out in there, which I highlighted last week. There's faith, hope and love. And as we take a moment to think about those loves, I don't know about you, but for me, I immediately go to Paul's uh, great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. And I just want to take a moment with this as we look at it to highlight that when Paul wrote the letter, he didn't put chapters and verses in there and he didn't put subheadings. So if we take those things out, what we end up with, I think, as a better break of whoever dreamed up the chapters and verses we have and the paragraphs that we have is this. This is a better arrangement, I think, of what Paul is trying to say. Now, these three remain. Remember, this is at the end of a chapter where he talks about what love looks like, in, especially in, with regards to how we go about ministering and the power of the Spirit together, that without love, it's all empty and hollow and even painful, noisy. But he says, these three remain, faith, hope and love. It's these same three words that we've found in, in Hebrews. The greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And I just want to take a moment that, you know, I shared last week at, at length about that all the more phrase. That's kind of like something for us to really take time to kind of camp around this year. All the more as you see the day approaching. But there was a second thing that God had, has had on my heart for us as a church that he wants to do. And that is to stir up the fire of the Spirit in our midst. To actually stir up the, our own desire to pursue God in terms of the power of the Spirit in our midst. To actually, I don't know what it is, but you, you can be someone who you know, speaks in tongues and has had a powerful baptism experience with the Holy Spirit, you know, Baptism of fire and, you know, you can have an amazing God encounter. And yet, over time, I don't know what it is, it's a, just a human thing where it can just kind of drift away to the point where we're just doing life again. And it might be beautiful, it might be sweet, life with God, we have, you know, great patterns of devotion, time with Him and all that. And yet there's something about living in the dynamic realm of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, that we need to be told, as Scripture does, to actually eager desire, eagerly desire it, to stir it up. You know, Paul says to Timothy, I haven't got it in, in the notes there, but Paul says to him, Stir up the gift that is in you from the laying on of hands. Like when Timothy was commissioned for ministry and he was anointed for that purpose, 
And God did something and there was a recognisable shift for Timothy where he received a gift from God. He's still told, you've got to stir it up. He gets reminded that. I think this NIV version falls a little short. Normally, it's, it is, you know, we have the, all have our sort of favourite um, different versions of the Bible and, um, you know, English translations abound and we get to be real sort of picky with what sort of language we like or whatever. My personal preference is normally NIV, but in this case, not so. Because... That second part, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, I don't think is worded very well. Because if we're desiring prophecy, that could easily be interpreted that we are to sit here and, and always want for someone to come up and give me a prophetic word. That is not what it says. It says this, and we'll flick over to the New King James especially that you may prophesy. That is a word to every single one of us in this room. That we're not told to be excited when we come to church, someone might give me a prophetic word. That is not what we're told. If that happens, it's great, it's encouraging. I'm going to share one with you later that was given to me just last week. But the word is especially that you may prophesy. And I think there's, a, there's like a whole other, at least one message, probably several, <laughs> to explore what that means and what it looks like. But the bottom line is that we should desire to be those who speak words from the Spirit to encourage each other, to strengthen each other to exhort one another, basically to do what that Hebrews verse says. Encourage each other towards love and good deeds. That's what prophecy shared in the church looks like in practice. And it, it's, it's, I think Paul focuses on it. This is just a quick little personal aside because why prophecy above all else? Personally, I think because if we learn to recognise the dynamic voice of God in the moment, everything else follows. Because sometimes that dynamic voice of God will say, go lay hands on this person and pray for them to be healed or to see a miracle happen in their life. You know, faith will rise up as we hear God's voice and learn to recognise it. All these things will follow. And at the end of this whole passage where Paul talks about this kind of ministry in the church, he, he says, let everything be done so that the church may be built up. So that's, that's, a, that's a very quick summary of what prophecy looks like in practice. Now, we, you know, when we, when we think about the power of the gospel and, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the church, you know, if, you've, if you know the Bible at all, if you've been around church for very long, we would probably very quickly go to maybe the book of Acts to see how the Spirit moves in power, you know, to get our, our sort of grid reference of how to go about that or what it looks like. 
But I want to take a moment, just because I've been talking from Hebrews, it's, a, it's just a very deep book. It's, it's like a really deep well to drink from, that one. But I, I want to take a passage that I, I don't think I've heard very often in... Do we need something, Werner? Ah, oh, I've got another one down here. Anyway, he's good. He's got it covered. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption. You shouldn't highlight those things when they happen. You should just let them get on with it. Very unprofessional. Anyway, that's okay. We're not about looking professional here. Um, if we were, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> um, but I actually want to go to Hebrews chapter 2 which is not normally a place that you would um, you, you know, think of in terms of a passage talking about the Holy Spirit and, and the power of the Spirit. But here's what's, here's what's in there, which I love. Um, chapter 2 and the second half of verse 3, um, just for context, where the verses fall, again, is not always very helpful. Um, and, and just bearing in mind that the whole letter is it's the wrong kind. There's probably one around somewhere. I just can't help you where. It, it'll, yep, it'll keep working. Um, so he's talking to, to the Hebrew people and, and, and the writer reminds them um, about the gospel and to hold on to, to what they've been taught, but not only what they've been taught, what has been confirmed to them, because what he says is, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. Yeah, see that first sentence is kind of coming off a different topic. Anyway, this salvation, which was first... I've got a different version here. I have. First announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And I just realized why I have a different version here. Again, perhaps shows the bias of the translators a little bit for NIV, but the New King James, here's, here's what happens in this passage. The verse switches from what Jesus has done, which he has announced the gospel. How did he announce it? Well, with his own body and blood, as well as by his preaching about the kingdom of God. But it was confirmed by his death and resurrection. That is all the gospel. And Jesus announced it. And that is past tense completed work. It's a complete, I mean, Greek doesn't really have a past tense, but it has complete, done. This is done. He's done it. Then it says, confirmed by those who heard, those who heard him, who heard Jesus. So those who were first-hand eyewitnesses and ear witnesses of Jesus' teaching, what he said, what he did. Again, aorist, completed, past tense in English. It's done. So what the apostles did... Is complete. They passed that word on to us. The gospel has been handed on. Then it switches. 
because he's talking to people who are now second or maybe even third generation believers of those who have shared the gospel with others. And the language here, which is not well conveyed in the NIV, you did, okay. You see a difference. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. See, the Holy Spirit is still continuing to do this. This language is a, what, what we would call a present, continuous, active, indicative, meaning is. This is what is. And it's not just is as a static thing, it's is as an ongoing thing. God confer, confirming. God himself, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. What God is continuing to do in bearing witness to the gospel that Jesus announced, that the apostles passed on and confirmed, God is still bearing witness to it. God is still testifying that this is true. How? By signs and wonders, various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it's God who is doing it, and it's his will. Various gifts distributed according to his will. That again takes me back to Corinthians, that passage, because Paul um, talks about the Spirit giving various gifts as he wills in in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And we won't go there because um, I don't want to do my normal thing and blow out my message by putting too much in there. There are other future messages to come. But I will say this. The, the first verse of 1 Corinthians 12 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the spiritual things, of the manifestation of the Spirit. This is a church who's kind of in trouble because of the overflow of their Holy Spirit uh, zeal, you know, they're charismaniacs. They're going a bit, a bit wild and a bit loose. And there's issues in the church because, you know, these gifts are being, you know, utilized in ways that's like not very God honoring, which is curious in itself. But it's possible then to experience spiritual gifts and to be ignorant and immature in the practice. And so that's why I think God gets people sometimes to wait, to pursue, as the word said, pursue spiritual gifts. Be passionate, be going after it. Which is a curious thing, when the Spirit has been poured out as a free gift, why is it like that? And I think that's the, this is the reason, because God wants us to not just pursue a gift, but to pursue Him 
and to also at the same time pursue maturity, to pursue love. You know, smack bang in the middle of all this discussion, love, 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 love. The greatest of these is love. But in following the way of love, eagerly pursue spiritual gifts. I mean, there's a whole language thing going on there. It's pursue everything of the Holy Spirit. It's really more like a closer thing. Pursue spiritual things. But he's talking about the manifestation of the Spirit as you go through you know, 1 Corinthians 12 and you look at you know, the individual examples of gifts that Paul talks about. It's the manifestation of the Spirit that is given for the common good. And so I think this is something that as a church, I, I just feel God is calling us. It's not like we ever want to just kind of do a season on it and then that's okay, we've done that, we're moving on now, it's a, a new vision. But it's something that because we, I don't know, we just sort of leak. It's, it's like we, we're a pot that gets put on the fire, on the stove, and we're boiling hot and then the pot gets moved, you know. And it just kind of simmers down again. And we've kind of got to keep putting it back on the boil sometimes. And Anyway, even the apostles who walked with Jesus for three whole years, if we take sort of John's account is where we get three years from, if you're curious... Even these guys, they spent so much time living with Jesus, day in, day out, seeing him minister in the power of the Spirit, being endowed, actually being given that same authority and ministering in the power of God under his authority. These guys to whom Jesus actually breathed on them after his resurrection and said, receive the Holy Spirit, He was present with them. This is within a 40-day period before he ascended back to heaven. Even with him doing all of that, he says, wait in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of that promise which I have said to you. For For the fulfillment of my word where he says to them, before his crucifixion, he says, I will send the counselor to you. I will send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He has been with you. He will be in you. So even after all this word, even after him breathing on them, breathing in their face, the breath of God, they are told to wait. And I believe God works in the waiting in ways that we can't predict and probably often can't even comprehend. But there's something about it that keeps us in a space of, I don't know, it's almost like gestation. It's almost like in, in the secret space where he's doing, you know, working on our inner being. And I feel like God wants us to pursue that waiting. 
we actually talked about it as a leadership team last year, um, coming off the back of some stuff that we'll talk more about in future, shining like a little spotlight to where we're headed this year. We're going to have a season of prayer and fasting. So I'm not saying we're going to jump straight into that this week. We'll have some time where we actually explore what that is before we go into it. A time of preparation and teaching and and learning and just even getting our, our heads and our hearts in the right place. But to really pursue what God has for us this year. See, God doesn't want us to be ignorant and naive about the things of the Spirit. He actually wants us to be mature so that we can walk in power. But let me give you now, just as, I, as I'm, I'll wrap up soon, but um, I just want to give you an example of what a prophetic word can look like in the church. Because I received one, it was, I mean, there's a broad sort of category here. But um, after our Sunday service last week, someone came up and shared something with me that God had shown them during the worship time. And so I want to share that with you. Um, And I want to unpack for you how I processed it. So this was given from, um, I didn't have opportunity to ask Sarah, but I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Um, Sarah is a girl who was visiting with us the last few weeks, who uh, was staying with, with um, Chris and Jane Pattinson, and she had done, finished her YWAM discipleship training school up north and was having a bit of holiday and just enjoying some time in Port Macquarie. So she came up to me after our service last Sunday and just said, can I share something with you that God showed me during the worship? And I said, absolutely, sure. And I actually took time. I said, hang on a sec. I I often don't do this. I'm really glad I did. But I said, can I just record it? And uh, partially because she has... uh, Vietnamese accent, I thought, well, I want to be able to listen back and make sure I haven't heard something wrong or whatever. So, but this is basically, I finally got it out yesterday and said, I'm going to listen back to that and spend some time with God. Um, Because I felt it was a good word. I was certainly encouraged in the moment, but I thought, no, I need, I just felt like there's more going on here and I need to, to process this. So here's what she said. During the worship time, during the song Holy Ground, when I closed my eyes, I saw a space in front of me, a church space, a very big one that is very big. And the word I got is gravity. Now, I haven't changed the wording too much. So, you know, sometimes we speak things. It's not exactly how we'd write it all neat. But the word I got is gravity. Then after that, I saw you kneeling down in front of a girl, a small girl. And because she's small, that's why you were kneeling in front of her and you were ministering to her. She was upset about something and she was holding a bear, like a toy teddy bear. Then after that, 
is a scene of her growing up being a girl, which I guess a young woman, and also like you ministering to her. And after that scene, it became like a colourful sprinkles to the roof, like light. I love the language. <laughs> um, like very colourful light from the roof. I don't know what the word gravity means for you in your situation, but it's quite amazing because after, while I was waiting for you, I saw the word gravity on something's branding. I don't know where around here she would have... Gravity. On our little microphone stand back. So this is a prophetic word that was given to me last Sunday. And I think this is probably the first time I've ever stood up and processed this kind of thing publicly. But I hope you get something out of doing this journey because I sat with God and I was like, okay, Lord, I need to think about this. First thing I want to say is she came to me very humbly. Um, You're hearing the word in there. She actually didn't presume to know what it was about. She just said, this is what I saw. I'll give it to you. And so for me, I get to go and do time with God about what that means. And, and I think that's a great principle for anything. We, you know, Paul says we know in part, we prophesy in part. None of us will get it right 100% of the time. And quite often if we get it part right, you know, almost every time there'll be something in there. But I love the humility of this where she said, look, I don't know what the gravity word means. But God confirmed it to me. So I just want to share that with you because she was obviously encouraged. Oh, wow. I didn't even see that before. So, um, yeah. So, like, obviously for me, she's talking about seeing me in this picture. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm literally um, asking the Lord, all right, teach me. Teach me what you want to say to me through this. Um, I started with the word gravity. And just saying, okay, Lord, what, what is it about gravity? What, is it, what do you want to say? And I think it's just... So I actually started looking and contemplating what gravity is, what it means. God also brought to mind some very specific things as I thought about it because gravity draws things together. It holds things firmly to the ground. It actually makes the world exist because um, gravity is literally a force which forces, forces things to attract. Matter and mass attracts matter. Um, it, it, it actually is what hold, holds our world together. It's essentially a closed system of life because of gravity. Without gravity, there would be no world at all. There'd be no planet, right? There'd be nothing. It'd all just be... I don't know. You wouldn't even have dust without gravity because you wouldn't have a particle pulling together with another particle. So gravity... It's kind of like everything. But it's something of a mystery. I don't know, who here loves the film Interstellar? 
A couple of Chris Nolan fans. Yeah? Who hasn't seen it? Yeah, okay. It's a great science fiction, but you do have to still suspend your belief in some things. But gravity is kind of a central theme of the film because gravity and time and, you know, it's all about theories of relativity and um, Einstein stuff. But it's actually something of a mystery even now today for all, all the scientific endeavour and all the stuff that people know about physics and you know quantum physics and quantum mechanics, gravity is still a mystery. It's called a force and yet it's different to every other force that has been identified. It's different to electromagnetism and here's why. Basically because all the other forces, I think there are three other main forces, I can't remember what they are, but all the other forces can both attract and repel. Gravity only attracts. Scripture says that Jesus holds all things together by his powerful word. It says that he is drawing all things towards reconciliation with God. That's 2 Corinthians 5. I feel that God is saying that there is gravity in the church he is building. A pulling together, a drawing. As I said, Christ is drawing all things toward God to be reconciled with the Father. In his church, he is drawing together people and holding them together as one. One family, one entity, one body, as scripture says. One economy of being. There is a beautiful exchange in the church. Both this way as well as this way. Just as there is in the Godhead, so so with us. He is making us in his image. There is a beautiful exchange. And so that's that's what I got for gravity. So, good. Thank you. And here then, I'm also taking the whole word in. You know, I saw a space in front of me, a church space, very big. And then after, I saw you kneeling down in front of a small girl. This is probably a little bit close to my heart because I miss my daughter. (laughs) I immediately, when I... When I hear this and I reflect, I immediately see my beautiful daughter when she was little, holding her own little teddy. Bare bones, it was called. <laughs> and here's what I feel God saying to me. And it's a word for me as a leader, but, but it's a word for us as his people. That in a large space, and like, Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. You know, The kingdom is expansive. But the word said nothing about a large crowd. Though the capacity is large, it requires a never-lose sight of the one. The small, the vulnerable. This is a young child 
Now that could be literal, but it could also be spiritual. Vulnerable. Actually needing care, needing ministry. Because, what was the wording? She was upset about something. I think that's all of us at some point. (laughs) But we need kindness, gentleness, grace. We need to be seen. And so I think, again, that is the church that he's calling us to be. And I know for me as a leader, it speaks directly to who I am. I'm not up here talking down. I'm down here. That's how we minister. You know, Jesus talked about kids a fair bit. He told a story about a king who separates, you know, it's one of these sheep and the goats things where in the end we are called to account for how we live. And he says, truly I tell you, and and Jesus' words are through the character of a king in a story, but he's talking about the coming king. He's talking about the day approaching. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you did, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. What a beautiful reminder that kneeling down in front of a child to minister or sitting with a person who's broken, vulnerable, hurting and needing encouragement is ministering to Jesus. Matthew 18, Jesus said, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I think more pastors should take time to reflect on that. (laughs) You know? The outcome of our ways. He said, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father. Wow. Wow. So I delight that in this word... In this vision that was given to me, this child grows up in the Lord. That in the image, I get to minister to this same one growing up. That's a beautiful encouragement for me. And again, it, it puts me in mind of my own daughter who is now a pastor in the church. Having gone from this little one with her bare bones You know, saying to me as a three-year-old, who's the Holy Spirit, Daddy? What a great question to get from your daughter (laughs) at three. She's a girl who's known who Holy Spirit is since then. This is the church that Jesus is building, that he is drawing together and putting together as one body. So... I trust that as we together pursue all that God has for us, that as we actually go after it, 
that we all might prophesy as God leads us in that kind of a way that we would all learn to discern the voice of God, to see things and just share them. And I would not say this is my field of gifting that I feel the most confident in. And yet I take personal delight that sometimes as I've listened to the whisper of God, it's been just right for that person at that time. I was really encouraged when you guys were overseas last year and I was just thinking of you. And I just felt to say, hey, I just know what this is like and this is like. And, and the way you got back to me, I was like, thank you, God. Because that, just living out that day-to-day encouragement, that word from God that says, hey, this one, I want to just love on them for a moment. That's what it looks like. So I trust that we will go together excited for what God is going to do. Excited for what he has in store and who he wants to reach and as he pulls together. And as we actually get to pursue every good gift that the Spirit gives, including healing and miracles and other things. But it begins with just learning to love one another. Amen? Thank you, God. Lord, we invite you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you want to give us good things. Your word says, how much more will the Father give good things to those who ask him? And How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to the promises that you have spoken and that you want to fill us and keep on filling us with your Holy Spirit, that you want to transform us into those who are mature ministers in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, do you guys want to get up and we'll, we'll finish with some worship? And look, I just want to invite, if any of you would like to just receive, and, and look, again, This is about pursuing God for ourselves and doing it together and whatever. But I want to invite, if you are just dry, thirsty, needing a touch from God, I I will invite you just, just to come down for some prayer today. We don't always do this, but I just feel like today is a day to offer that. And that... um that others can gather around others who are feeling led by the Lord to actually pray for people too. Okay?